Good morning. It is Sports Decaf in this Thursday morning, and it is your boy, Thotic Fatul. You already know who it is. Voice recognition, the man of the hour, Thotic Abdullah, in the flex. In in the flex. Wait, is it in the flesh or in the flex? In the flex. Oh, in the flex? Come on now. People usually say in the flesh. Nah, 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 bro. That's how it's supposed to be. But we're going to go ahead and talk about our topics today. We definitely got to talk about the conference finals. We're going to talk about the Warriors. Who should they prioritize? Clear KD. And talk about some boxing. Deontay Wilder throwing out some pretty outrageous slurs and whatnot, talking about his opponent. But we got to talk about this draft lottery. And the question of the day is to you is, who are the draft lottery winners and losers? And then we're going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. They got the number one pick. And what direction should they go with this number one pick? So the winners of this is obviously the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, they got the number one pick. But the losers, I mean, everyone knows who's the losers of this. It's the New York Knicks. I mean, these guys were planning for Zion Williamson, planning for the first pick since, you know, probably the beginning of the season. I mean, they were celebrating like they were NBA champions all season long. They had so much hope. I mean, even friends of mine that are New York Knicks fans, like they were too energetic for this lottery draft. And I was like, you know, don't get your hopes up too soon. But uh, I think the New York Knicks lost this one, you know, by a wide margin simply because, I mean, now they don't get that box office guy. They might get a good player like R.J. Barrett, you know, or John Moran, depending, you know, who slides where. But New York wanted a box office guy. I mean, they haven't had box office since, you know, one can argue maybe mellow, but that still wasn't, you know, New York worthy, you know, box office in this NBA. I mean, the last guy they had was probably, one can argue, Patrick Ewing. I mean, he never bring a ring to that city. So I think the New York Knicks definitely lose this one. New Orleans Pelicans win simply because, I mean, you have the number one pick. Hopefully Zion, you know, can get his stuff together. I mean, there's no point of opting back into college basketball. You know, you're going to make $9.7 million. But there also is another loser in this one. And I would feel like it is Nike simply because I think they're going to be the guys landing Zion Williamson. And to have a guy like that, you know, go into a market like New Orleans, it can really, you know, I, I think that could be a reason why, you know, Zion Williamson's kind of contemplating if he should wait one more year, simply because I think that reduces his value, him ending up in New Orleans. But, I mean, overall, the New York Knicks definitely lost that. The, you know, Nike lost that because we all know they're landing Zion. But, I feel like the NBA won this one. I think they were the biggest winners simply because tanking, I think, is finally over. We're not going to see teams, you know, killing themselves for the worst record in the league. I mean, that the way that they've made the lottery, you know, where you the chances and breaking things apart. I feel like that that that's a good thing for the league. I mean, I'm sick of teams, you know, losing in purpose. If that's the case, you know, we can throw these teams out like New Orleans, you know, like the Phoenix Suns, and we can get real franchises, you know, coming into the league. You know, Vegas is an up-and-coming city. We can bring the Supersonics back. We can add a new team in Canada, maybe in Vancouver. But, I mean, overall, this was the only lottery that I've ever really, you know, was looking forward to. So I look at the winners and losers, and um, I agree with you on New Orleans. I think they definitely won. They got to be happy with where they were at. They they were projected uh, six to six through eight, if I'm not mistaken, and, you know, I mean, you know, luckily they got the number one pick. I think a, a, a huge winner that we got to talk about 
is really the Lakers. I mean, they had a 2% chance to land the number one pick and uh, a combined like around 10-ish percent chance to land in the top five. They got the number four pick. And then now you look at the Lakers. I do not expect them to draft someone at number four. I really do expect them to ship that pick out. But, I mean, even if they do draft someone, I mean, you know, Darius Garland um, is, is, is someone that's been thrown around. DeAndre Hutner, uh, even a Jared Clover has been thrown around. So, I mean, the Lakers have, have a variety of ways that they can departure with this pick. They can draft or they can try to throw it in package for Anthony Davis. I think that might be the uh, most sensible idea for them to do. I look at the losers and, um, I mean, clearly the Knicks lost. But, I mean, the number three pick is still – you're still going to get – because in this draft, in my opinion, I think the top three – I think it's top three, then there's, there's a huge step down within the draft. Yeah. It's, it's, it's John Morant, Zion, and R.J. Barrett, and the number – like four through whatever is – so It's kind of like, damn, you miss you yeah. miss the little gap. So, so I mean, they're, they're still going to be able to get someone that's a, a hell of a player in R.J. Barrett. Um, I also look at Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix is a loser in my opinion. Um, I mean, they were projected to get the top three pick as well. Fell to number six. And this this is a franchise that is not really doing much. Um, you know they have issues going on with the front office. P- players don't really like playing there. This you know franchise has been a, has had a history of losing. So for them to get the number six pick, it's kind of depressing for them. And then a team that we do not mention is actually the Boston Celtics. They lost this one. Um, so we all knew that they were going to get the 14th pick. Don't get me wrong, right? You know from uh, from Sacramento, but. If Memphis, because uh, the Memphis pick was protected, what top seven? If Me- if Memphis would have had fell out the top seven, they would have been able to keep keep their pick. Another package for Anthony Davis. They could have potentially had an eighth pick, a fourteenth pick, thrown around a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown. That can land you Anthony Davis and and with surrounding pieces as well. So I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of winners and losers. I mean, Atlanta. So one can say that they lost as well. The Dallas pick got worse. Their yeah, pick, thank God. Their top five protected. Their top five, uh, excuse me, projected pick got worse as well. They have the eighth, and they have the tenth pick. So I mean, a lot of teams lost this. And and credits to you. I mean, you're right. I'm I'm happy that there's not there's a stop to tanking, and now you finally get to see some competition. You get to see, uh, you know, because if uh, an example of of teams that have stopped tanking. If you look at the Sacramento Kings, for example. This is the first year in how many years that they, that they did not have a first-round pick. And what happened the year that, that, that they did not have a first-round pick? They bought out. I mean, they almost made it to the playoffs because they actually had a sense of urgency. They wanted yeah. to actually win games. So that's the thing. Um, now, in terms of the Pelicans, what they should do with this number one pick, I mean, I think that they, they, they got to they drive Zion. And, uh, you know, I just I just saw a report right now saying that Zion is actually declaring for the draft. So all the hoorah and whatnot for him going back to Duke, that's blasphemy. So he's 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 going to he's going to New Orleans. But maybe with, you know, with Anthony Davis, I think that they got to They got to, you know, give Anthony Davis their their deal. I mean, excuse me, not their deal, their their idea, their what they're going to do in the future. Tell him, OK, look, we got Zion. We got so we got so we still got Drew Holiday. We still might be a hell of a team. We might, we're going to target such, such and such in the free agency. And then offer him a deal. And Anthony Davis, he says he does not want to play with, uh, with New Orleans. You, but you got to offer him the deal. you got to make things right. And so if he's going to reject the deal. And then you got to start looking for trade packages for Anthony Davis. I think, you know, looking at a Boston trade package, um, you know, the Lakers can offer you something pretty, pretty you know, sexy, honestly. And then the Knicks as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of trade packages they got to look out. I mean, I don't expect Anthony Davis to be in a Pelicans uniform before media day. 
but that's just me. So, I mean, I think that they got to ship Anthony Davis. Plan A, they got to try to resign him. I don't, I don't think that's going to work out. But then Plan B, you got to look for, you got to look for trade packages. I mean, Plan A, okay, it doesn't work. Plan B might even be the better route. If a guy doesn't want to play for you, and I'm the owner of the team, I'm shipping you the hell out of here. I mean, I don't care who you are. This is a business at the end of the day. If you're not happy where you are, we did all we did all we could. We did our job to satisfy you. Things didn't work into your favor. I got Zion Williamson at the number one pick. You can get a lot of pieces for, you know, Anthony Davis. And at this point, teams are seeing that, you know, oh, damn, they're getting Zion Williamson. Anthony Davis just went up a lot more. Because now the Pelicans aren't, you know, in a situation of desperation where they got to ship him out. Now it's like, you know, we can wait. We can give it our sweet time. I say ship him out to Boston, get you a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and that's it. I think this New Orleans team is set for the future. You know, Tatum, I feel like can, you know, take a bigger role as a player offensively. I mean, defensively, he's been looking nice. You've got Jalen Brown, a two-way player. He's had offensive struggles this past season, but I think, man, this team is set. you got Frank Jackson coming off the bench. You know, you let Miritich go, but you've got Alfred Payton. Jaleel Okafor has been looking nice. You bring in, you know, two young guns, you know, in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And then, you you know, Zion Williamson to, you know, build around that, a dominant force who I think is going to come into the league and, you know, give you 15 and 8 night in, night out, maybe two blocks a game. So I think I think the best bet is just go ahead and let Anthony Davis leave. I think uh, I, I, I think the best trade package is actually the Lakers. Granted, if Brandon Ingram is healthy. And Lon- like I expect Lonzo Ball to be healthy, so I'm not worried about that. But Brandon Ingram with the blood clots, and let's just say hypothetically who he is, who he you know who he projected is to be, whatever. I mean, the Pelicans still can still force the Lakers to offer that desperation offer that they had at the end of the trade deadline, where it's you know Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, they can throw in the number four pick and probably another 2020 pick. I mean, that's. I think that's the best package. And then there's a lot of reports saying that Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday does not want to stay. He doesn't want to be in a Pelicans uniform as well. Ship him as well. What? Yeah, ship him I mean, sh- yeah, ship him as well. You know how? You know I mean, how? Honestly, I'm not trying to boost the situation, but Frank Jackson has showed a lot of. Oh my gosh. A, a lot, a lot of future in the guy. I mean, his quickness, his explosiveness. It's just if the guy can stay healthy, get his ankles right. He's gonna be a nice. He's gonna be a nice player in the league. I'm not saying he's gonna be a top five point you guard. You just had to throw but, that in there. But you know, I, I just had to you know throw a little sprinkles on there. You know, just, just let the people out there know. Frank Jackson is gonna be a nice guy. Drew Holiday does not want to stay with that team. So I mean, I think that the trade packages that they can get for Drew Holiday is actually pretty attractive as well. I mean, so like let's just say hypothetically they trade. AD to the Lakers, for example. So you could still have a lineup of, a, like, Julius Randle if they, if they resign him. So they could have Zion Williamson, Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball, Julius Randall, I forgot. Kyle Kuzma with, you know, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and then the number four pick. And then I'm guessing they're going to probably, you know, pick up uh, DeAndre Hudner or, or another guard if they're going to ship, ship out Drew Holiday. I mean, that's one of the best young teams in the league. I mean, on they they probably have the best young core, honestly. And then you ship out Drew Holiday. Who knows what you can get for him? I mean, think about if Toronto right now had Drew Holiday inside, instead of Kyle Lowry, that team would probably be one of the best team, probably be the favorites to go to the finals, honestly. So I mean, Pelicans, um, they're in probably the best position they've been in a while. I know, like next year they're not going to be a playoff team, but. The side, the chess pieces are definitely in their favor. I think that they have to play this smart. I think David Griffin definitely has to 
uh, you know, work around and make, make key trades. And, you know, first of all, you got to try to rekindle a relationship with Anthony Davis. But if not, you got to make the right trade. And um, let's look at, like, New York has a great trade package. L.A. has a great trade package. And Boston does, too. It's just which one do you prefer more? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways things can work out. And I think you can get a lot for Drew Holiday because he's arguably one of the be- one of the best defensive po- uh, point guards in the league. And he gives you offense. He's giving you almost 20 a night. And he dishes the ball. The guy does it all at the point guard position. In terms of, you know, you know his overall game, if we just look at overall game rather than stats, he's a top five point guard. But, you know, he just doesn't put up the big numbers. Because, I mean, Drew Holiday can shoot the ball. I mean, he has no flaws in his game at the point guard position. He can guard anyone at the one. He can give you a hard time. But it's just... It's a matter of him, you know, showing out more, and I think it's better for him to leave New Orleans. It's just a matter of that he's good at every single thing, and his de- like defensively, that's a strong suit. But he's yeah. good at he's a Mike Conley type of dude. He's mm-hmm. there's no really there's no real flaws in his game, but he's not really elite at multiple things. Yeah. Look at Steph Curry; he's an elite passer, elite shooter. Uh, I mean, he's elite at multiple things. Same thing with Westbrook and Kyrie and Dame Lillard and whatnot. So that's that's the only reason. But I definitely get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, Drew Holiday, I mean, solid all around player. Uh, any team would be any playoff team would be lucky to have him. The only thing is, he has a fat contract. So if yeah. you, if you're gonna try to ship him out, who are you gonna get in, uh, get for him in return? That's the only thing. But we're gonna be talking about the conference finals. I mean, you know, we 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 saw the Warriors game. They blew out the Trailblazers, one sixteen to ninety four at Oracle Arena without Kevin Durant. And then the Toronto Raptors game versus the Bucks. Uh, it was actually a really good game. Uh, close game, one hundred eight to one hundred. Bucks win. Uh, let's start Actually, off with someone on our Instagram page called it. He's like, I got Milwaukee by eight. So oh, sh- yeah. shout out to you on no, no, the actually, IG. No, no, no. It was actually Toronto by eight. He said Toronto by eight. Toronto by yeah, eight? Yeah, yeah. He did say you that. sure? I'm, I'm most likely sure. But I, we, oh, we, okay. we could check later. But I, I, he said someone by eight. Someone by eight. If Who, he's, whoever it was, I mean, shout out to him. because What a prediction. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a great prediction. But the game, I mean, Milwaukee versus Toronto. That was a hell of a game. I, um, if I, if no, I'm, you got the Bucks. You got the Bucks by eight. Oh, today. you got the Bucks by eight. Okay. Shout out my man, Hoop Army official. Hoop Army doing official. Doing your thing. Sheesh, man. Hey, did he watch the game like prior to? Did he have a, uh, a, a Shoot, secret recording? I'm or asking about game two. <laughs> Put my own prediction on the show. Shoot, for real. But um, no. I, I after watching the game, the Bucks game. If I'm the Toronto Raptors, you know, call me crazy, but I think that was a good loss for them. And I, I don't get me wrong, that was a tough loss. Like they they lost on the road by single digits, but sw- like flip it, they lost on the road by single digits to the, probably the best team in the playoffs. That's they're playing like the Milwaukee's playing the best basketball in the playoffs. Yeah, they lost by single digits on the road. Brooke Lopez had himself a career night. Do not expect Brooke Lopez to have a thirty point double double with four blocks. I mean, that's all star numbers. I'm no no disrespect to Brooke Lopez. Phenomenal shooting. Yeah, as well. ph- phenomenal shooting. But if I'm the Toronto Raptors, I think I can live. I can live with myself. I, uh, you know, and and another thing, Kawhi Leonard's not shooting 38. percent And and I and I really do blame Nick Nurse on this loss. I think coaching wise, adjustments wise, he didn't he didn't do a bad job. I think defensively they had a great uh, game. Excuse me, a great game plan for Giannis, but he played Kawhi Leonard way too much, and that was the biggest problem. Kawhi Leonard was gassed at the end of the third quarter. He had played 31 out of 36 possible minutes heading into the fourth. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, Kawhi Leonard was on his knees. All of his shots were short. 
in the middle of the third quarter, he looked like he was gassed, but Nick Nurse couldn't have took – he didn't want to take him out or whatnot. That's, that's, I know it's the playoffs, but it's the name of the game. I know – and that's, that's, it's a learning experience. Nick Nurse is a new head coach, and he's actually done a pretty good job with Toronto. So, I mean, this – game one was a learning experience. Kawhi Leonard, they got to definitely – Give him more, give him more rest and whatnot. Other than that, I mean, if I'm the if I'm the Raptors, I can live with this loss. Kyle Lowry played phenomenal; he stepped up, but the rest of the team went 0 for 15 in the fourth. I'm not expecting that to happen. I mean, the Bucks played them. You know, they did a great job. Giannis did his thing. He had what, like 25, 14, and six. He had a phenomenal game. You can't really stop that. But what you who you can stop is Brook Lopez, and I, I don't expect yeah. him to have a see 30 point double double. The thing is, blocks. this Milwaukee team is different. I mean, if they if they're not doing shooting right, they do everything else right ev- every single game. I mean, the team they out rebound the Toronto Raptors sixty to forty six rebounds. I mean, by fourteen rebounds. I mean, that's just stellar. That that was the you know deciding factor of that game was the rebounding. I mean, Milwaukee shot horrible from three at twenty five percent. They were trash from the field at you know under forty percent. But they held Toronto as well under forty percent. In Toronto, just above 30% from three. So, although Milwaukee was having a bad shooting night, they did everything else right. And I think I think that's the deciding factor, and that is why I think the Milwaukee Bucks are on another level than all these other teams because they're well-coached, because too many teams rely on the offensive rhythm. And if they don't get that rhythm going, I mean, they just they can't get their game. They can't find their game within themselves. You had a guy like Brooke Lopez step up, carry the load, this is the NBA playoffs. I don't think you can say if this guy's going to come and show out or not because, you know, the NBA playoffs, it's, you know, a, guy, a lot of guys, they come in there and, you know, they make big plays. And that's what it's all about. Brooke Lopez made bigger plays. And, I mean, if you look at the end of the game, Milwaukee ended it on a 10-0 run, and they end up getting the win 108-100. to So the deciding factor is Milwaukee is, you know, they're never going to make more mistakes than you so you got to force them to make you know those mistakes and you know to minimize your turnovers to get more rebounds than them and that's what makes it hard to beat this team is that you've got to do everything right and Toronto just didn't do that last night you gotta you got you also got to understand this though you you brought up the shooting percentages and you had a fair point with 25 percent shooting from Milwaukee but I mean they're at home and, and yeah. if, if you're a home team, you're not you're you're not you're not supposed to shoot that bad. Toronto shot what under forty percent from three, and they shot under under forty percent from the uh from the field. So Toronto had a bad shooting night on the road, and their best player had had himself a horrible fourth quarter. The whole team had him had themselves a horrible fourth quarter. I can live with that loss. Like you're right, you're not gonna be Milwaukee's not gonna uh you, you, you what you said is that. Milwaukee has to have more mistakes in order for them to lose. And you're right. But I can live – if I'm Toronto and Milwaukee first, they played better than Toronto. Like, like I'm not debating yeah. that. I'm not, I just don't – the one thing is I do not expect Brook Lopez to have himself the type of night that he had. He might have, he might have himself a 17-point game with six rebounds and probably three made threes. I can, I can you know, I can believe in that. I just don't expect him to have a 30-point double-double with four blocks. Yeah. That's just me. But back to the point is that you're right. Milwaukee played better. It's just that I think Toronto can live with themselves on this loss. I think that being on the road, losing by single digits, Kawhi Leonard did not step up. And I, I blame a big reason for that is Nick Nurse. You know, he made him fatigued. Other than that, I mean, everyone else did, them, did, them, you know, did pretty solid for Toronto, 
minus the fourth quarter. Pascal Siakam had himself 15 points, six rebounds. Uh, yeah, six rebounds. Marcus All, he didn't have the, the point, the stat sheet didn't show it, but you know, he had a huge contribution, had 12 rebounds, but he was getting murdered by Brooke Lopez. Like him and Serge Ibaka was just, they were getting murdered. It looked like well done steak. It was horrible. But yeah, you like that? You like that well uh, little simile? Okay. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, Toronto, I mean, th- this this theory is going to be such, it's going to be back and forth. That's, that's yeah. how I predict it. And I mean, you know, this, that was just our, a little analysis from game one. But let's talk about what happened in Oakland, California with the Warriors. I mean, a complete blowout. And if I'm not mistaken, it was a, it was a single point game. It was They were up by like six or something in the fourth quarter, but they just exploded and ended up winning by 22 points. I mean, the Warriors just demolished the, the Portland Trailblazers in the fourth quarter. But let's talk about um, Ennis Cantor's defense. Like, well, what, what is that? You, you leave Curry, what was it, 10 feet all game to shoot the basketball? You can't switch up on a pick? That, no, that's, I mean, that's not Ennis Cantor. That's Terry Scott's. Like, that's the game plan that they had heading into the game. And, and, and that, that's the crazy part. But Cantor's always been known as one of those guys trash on defense. No, you know, but, he, he, he's yeah. a horrible defender, but – that's a Terry Scott's call. And if you look at that Utah series, is, is Ricky Rubio a horrible defender? Because no. he definitely let James Harden just go right the whole time. It was a coaching adjustment. I mean, I blame Terry Scott, Terry Stotts for that. I think he he tried throwing something different that the Warriors haven't seen because what, what do the Warriors always see? They always see switches. They always see people playing them up tight. Now, you know, the name of the game is that you, you really do have to switch with the Warriors. And, yeah. I mean, that shows that goes to show you game one. And his cancer can't defend. You're right. He's a horrible defender, horrible rim protector, and just haven't – they were abusing him on screens. I mean, they are they were abusing him on screens. And the Warriors are just the better team, honestly. Yeah. I kind of had to, you know, stop watching a little bit. It's too much abuse for me to watch. You know? So, had to take it easy on that game. But I think for Portland, I mean, without a Kevin Durant, you got to steal one at Golden State. You know, we don't know if he's going to be out two games, four games, or the whole series. So if you want a shot at making it to the NBA Finals, you're, you're going to have to do better defensively. And you're going to have to, you know, one of your guys, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, can have a bad game, but not the both of you. I mean, that's not going to help you, especially with a guy like Stephen Curry who, I mean, he's hot and he's not cooling down. And then you got Klay Thompson shooting well. It's, it's just it, this series can, you know, become competitive, but it can also become, you know, a real blowout for the Warriors. The Warriors can just walk by to the NBA Finals with the sweep. So I think they got to go into game two. This is a must win. I know it's hard to do at Oracle Arena, but once you give this Warriors team the rhythm and, you know, you don't kind of put their backs up against the wall, they're going to take advantage and they're going to run with it because that's what they do best. But, you know, when you knock their confidence out a little bit, you head into Portland where, you know, you have home court advantage, you know, throughout the playoffs at that point if you can win those two games. I mean, that's it. The momentum shift your way. Then, you know, you're going to have a Kevin Durant who's probably going to have to rush back from his injury. And, I mean, from there, you know, it, it's just going to look all kinds of bad. And this is your shot to, you know, prove all the doubters, prove, you know, Jennifer from Twitter wrong and ma- make it to the NBA Finals. But, you know, as it is, there's still going to be a Curry in the Finals regardless this season. Yeah, and that's the thing is that, like I said in last episode, they're now 31-4 and four without Kevin Durant, and they were a 73-19 without him. I mean, this team is still loaded, and they're probably still the best play, best team in the NBA with or without Kevin Durant. 
That's the crazy part about it. So, I mean, we all have Portland losing, but we do have a little hope. We want to see something something a little different, especially in this conference finals, because it really does yeah, feel I like... I see my mans get three rings. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, my guy. that's you. You're a KD fan. That's the thing. That's so, the only reason. If it wasn't for KD, I would have hoped this team lost, you know, the last two years. <laughs> but, man, as long as KD getting rings, I'll take it. Stack them up. Stack them up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... but Oh, you got it. More Warriors talk. More Warriors talk, yep. So, my man's, you know, Clay Thompson, KD, both phenomenal athletes. But who should the Warriors value offseason? Call me crazy, but I really do feel like it's Clay Thompson. Um, what's, what's the, what's, who are the Warriors known for? What are they known for? The Splash Brothers. And I think this is not a basketball decision. I, Kevin Durant is clearly better than Clay Thompson, but. You got to look at it at a personal thing. And uh, Clay Thompson has been with that organization through thick and thin through the beginning of his career. And Clay Thompson, that, that trademark of the Splash Brothers, I mean, that that's what the Warriors are known for. There's been a lot of talks that Kevin Durant has his foot outside the door already and that he wants to go to New York. Um, if I'm the Warriors, you guys just got to play your part. You got to play your part. You got to offer KD that, you know, whatever, whatever amount of money he wants, X amount of money. You all, but then you got to really try to make a push for Klay Thompson because that's the person that can really do do some damage. And you know, there's been some talks with him and him in uh, L.A. And that's the thing. I don't know if I'm the Warriors, I would prioritize Klay Thompson. I think Kevin Durant already kind of already has his foot out the door. Kevin Durant is someone that's going to make his own decision. I don't think the Warriors can really try prioritizing someone or try influencing him or persuading him to do anything. I think Kevin Durant's going to make his own decision, and I think he already has that decision made. Klay Thompson is someone that you could really influence. Uh, give him a nice pitch meeting. Tell him all the stuff that you want him to. You know, tell him everything that he wants to hear. Klay Thompson's a guy that, that has to stay. Yeah, I agree too, but. I agree in a different perspective. I feel like it's more, you know, you can get, I feel like the Warriors can get Kevin Durant to stay, but it's going to be for one more year. It's not going to be for a five-year run. I think it's obvious, you know, you you would want to prioritize Kevin Durant, you know, in terms of, you know, a business aspect or, you know, even a championship aspect. You know, you'll probably get more rings, but you're going to have him for one year max, and that's just the truth of it. I mean, Durant's not going to get that big bag that you know a team like New York would give him and for Clay Thompson it's like you know if you prioritize him you're getting him for the rest of his career you're getting a prime Clay Thompson who you know we haven't seen him at his best in his prime we still haven't seen him you know with the ball in his his hands you know consistently game after game after game it's usually you know sparks they see him get hot they start feeding him but I feel like a five-year competitive run over a one-year run, I'll take it any day of the week because I feel like this Warriors team with, you know, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, you know, Andre Iguodala, and then you can bring in some more role guys. You know, one thing they haven't been able to do the last two years because there's just no money. You know, you can track the guy, get, you know, you an 8 to $10 million player, like a Montrez Harrell caliber, you know, Patrick Beverly type of guy, you know, rough and tough. The thing is they won't be able to afford those dudes anymore because they just gave Steph Curry – one of the biggest deals in NBA history. I think yeah. he's the highest paid player, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to give Klay Thompson $200 million or a high, high 180. And then Draymond Green has to get paid. So I, I, I get what you're saying. But I think but they have a little room to work with. They have a little, a, like a little bit, but it's like to the point where they might have around like $5 million in cap space. Like that's it, Max. Like because Curry's getting that, the super max. Klay Thompson's going to get his max. That's already how like $70 million between the two of them. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, that's that's. But crazy. then everyone else, no one else is getting paid on that team. I mean, Iggy's probably getting what ten a year, and then they're probably going to. Re- oh, they're they're going to be in the luxury tax. Like yeah, hundred percent. But it's yeah. definitely going to be worth it's it. It's worth it. Yeah. Something you want to do as a Warriors franchise, because if if I feel like we haven't seen this Warriors team with a you know full on depth of role players, we've just seen them. You know, Curry, Curry, you know, Curry, Durant, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green seem to just carry the whole load. And it's Iguodala in there. 2015, you know, 2015 Warriors. Yeah, they had Barbosa, Livingston, and whatnot. Yeah, see, but they were you know a dominant force back then. But now it's more like you know, there's there's too many minutes being played within your four superstars, and you you want to get Thanks. other guys in there, you know, because the thing with the Clippers is they kind of exposed that, you know, they kind of showed that you know we were just a team of role players with you know maybe one star, one deep. can say, and Lou Williams, but. You know, we, we've got guys who are, you know, fresh constantly throughout the game, come off the bench. But with the Warriors, it's like, you know, we'll try to sit Duran and Curry. You know, we have a 10-point lead. When the lead gets within two, we'll throw our guys back in. I mean, you just – you can't live off of that because other teams are constantly getting better. And there's always going to be an end to an era. And you want to keep changing what you've got. You don't want to stay the same year after year. And I feel like that can be the difference maker, you know, heading into the Warriors' future. No, I agree. I think Klay Thompson has to be the choice for the Warriors. Um, and you're right. Kev, if Kev, well, the thing about Kevin Durant is that he's looking for a four-year, five-year deal. And, I mean, please, for the sake of the league, do not sign a five-year deal with the Warriors. I mean, I'm, I'll am get on my knees and beg. I, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, if he signs a five-year deal with the Warriors, that's three rings, three more rings. That's uh, Well, if he, if he signs a five-year deal with the Warriors, I mean, you know what I'm doing? I'm leaving Texas. I'm going to the Bay Area. I'm becoming a water boy. A water boy? Try oh, to get yeah. yourself a ring? Them, right. them dudes get rings. Come on. If I stay there five years, I'm coming back with two rings. And I'm going to look you in the eye and be like, I'm an NBA champion. And rightfully so. Water boy is a hard it, position. Uh, <laughs> That's a hard position. It's not easy to get rings. It's not, easy to, it's not easy to fill up, fill up yeah. some water for some angry athletes. tell you something. If I'm a water boy for the Dallas Mavericks, I'm going to have to be there maybe 35, 40 years. But if the Warriors sign uh, K- Hey, wait, 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 wait. Don't do that. Uh, don't do that. No, 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 no. being realistic. Right? 35, you, you act like we're, okay. We but, got Luka, we got Porzingis. Yeah, but and then we, I mean, you just never know with this Dallas Mavericks. 35, 40? <laughs> All right, come on. I mean, it's not guaranteed. Come on. 35, 40. There's, there's a lot of teams getting better. And Mavs are one of the best. Yeah, hey, hey, it took 22 years of me. No, not 22 years. They won 2011. Like 14 years. You know what? I'm going to say 10 years. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. with the Warriors, I'm looking at a one, two year. Oh, yeah, thing, no, for sure, know. for sure. Kind of over. I was kind of, you know, thinking about the Dallas Cowboys for a minute. Oh. You know, oh. straight garbage. Haven't won in 22 man. years. Man, I can't do it. Man, you're testing my soul. Can't today. seem to do it. And how about the Texas Rangers? One damn strike from winning the World <laughs> Series. Nathalie Feliz, you're a disappointment. You were the best closer at the time and you couldn't do it. One, one strike. I, I could get one. I could have got them the one strike. Put the ball in my hands, two fingers. It was throw. the water, man. They needed a better water boy. That's the problem. The water boy didn't supply them with a lot of water. They needed See, you that, to be the water boy. No, no. Me be the pitcher. <laughs> All right. The man throwing the water. No pun intended. Pitcher, water, get it. But, you know, overall, <laughs> overall, Clay Thompson, he's got to be the man of the show. But uh, that's enough basketball for today. Let's get into some boxing. Deontay Wilder. Another stupid remark. I mean, 
I just don't get it with this guy. I so explain half what the happened. time. Explain what happened. Explain what happened. First of all, half this is just bothering me. Half the time when he talks, it makes no sense. I mean, respect him as a fighter, but sometimes he just, you know, should speak what's on his mind and not what's out of his mind. Because it just doesn't add up. But overall, what happened was, is according to Wilder. So first, let's get into the topic. So we're going to talk about, you know, Deontay Wilder's remarks saying, you know, he long, long ago, maybe a year or two ago, he said he, he needs, you know, a body on his record. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy over that. You know, why would you want to kill a man in the ring? This and that. This is, you know, a professional sport, a gentleman's sport, things like that. But, you know, him and Brazil, Dominique Brazil, who are expected to fight, are, you know, going into some deep things. You know, things have gotten personal. You know, Deontay Wilder has a daughter. She's sick. And, you know, he said he's, you know, said certain things about his daughter, which kind of set him off. But Brazil says otherwise. He says, you know, he was at a fight and, you know, one of Wilder's fighters, he was rooting against him because, you know, the other guy was a friend of his. Wilder and his team got, you know, kind of ticked off. And then Wilder, they say, in front of Brazil's wife and kids, confronted him at a hotel with 20 guys. I mean, he said he put his hands in his face. And Brazil's like, you know, my wife and kids are there. I'm not going to let a man put his hands in his his hands in my face. So, you know, words were exchanged. And Brazil tells him, you know, hey, I'm with my wife and kids. And, you know, Deontay Wilder responds with, you know, explicit your wife and kids. And that's things, allegedly because there's, there's two. Yeah, sides allegedly. I'm, you know, just saying both sides of the story. I don't know who's in the right. I don't know who's in the wrong. And we're talking about the comments. So, what, yeah. so his comments about killing some catching a body yeah. in the ring. And let me let me ask you first because you're the boxing dude. Were they too much? Was it too much for him to say catch a body in the ring? I I feel like it is too much because in a sport like boxing, there there has been fighters that have you know died in the ring, and if a guy like you know Deontay Wilder is gonna you know say things like this because you know you're mad, but in interviews he says he says what he you know feels. So I mean this is coming out of you know straight from his heart. This is not coming out of anger. Or, you know, disappointment. The, the guy really means it when he wants to get in the ring and, you know, catch a body. And I feel like boxing, you know, if you look at it, you know, you can say, oh, you sign up to get hit in the head, this and that. But there has been more injuries in the NFL than boxing. One can argue there's been more deaths in the NFL than boxing. And the NFL isn't a sport where you want to kill someone. A, you know, a linebacker doesn't come in and say, you know, I'm going to light you up and kill you. I need that on my resume. You know, and there's more deaths happening in the NFL than boxing. So for you to come in the ring to say it's a gentleman's sport, this and that, well, I, I think it is. I think the best thing you can do to a man who is disrespecting you in any way is to humble him. And how is that? It's to beat him. Not to kill him. It's to let him live with that loss. Let him live with, you know, the defeat. And, you know, let, let him feel like, you know, I've. I've been, you know, matured after this fight. You know, I, I respect you as a fighter and I respect you after a person because, you know, def nothing's better than defeat. I mean, you can kill a man. That's it. It's over. He's gone. He's not coming back. But to make a guy live with that defeat, you know, live with the words he said and, you know, for him to, you know, have that regret within within inside himself. I think that's the best thing you can do. I think Deontay Wilder went way overboard. I mean, to, you know, continue on with it. And to, you know, really start threatening, yeah, I'm going to kill him in that ring. That, that's not a gentleman attitude. And I think, you know, he was in all kinds of wrongs. I understand things were said. 
but actions speak louder than words at the end of the day. Um, I think that he's one hell of a promoter. <laughs> I think that's what he's doing. I think that I think he's he's promoting the fight. I mean, we're talking about it right now. He's promoting he's promoting the fight really well. In terms of the comments, though, I do not have that big of an issue with it. I think, like. Like, it's not like he's going to go out in the fight, pull out a knife, and start killing him. He's, he's not literally going to kill the dude. I think that with his mindset, his hunger, the way that he's built, and a lot of athletes are kind of built like this too, whenever they say something, and that, like, I, 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 I get the point that you're getting at, saying that you're going to kill someone, but is he really going to actually try to kill him? No, he's just going to try to put everything on the line, and that's really what he means. He said he's, what he really means, I'm going to try to put everything on the line. No mercy. I'm going to really try to knock this dude out. I'm the bronze bomber. I think that's what he really meant. Saying that you're going to kill someone, that's a little over the board, but I do I do understand what he's saying. I think that he's one hell of a promoter. I think that him saying that, I think that that, that was a great business, business move, try to promote the fight and whatnot. I mean, you know, whatever's going on between him and Brazil, I mean, personally, we don't know what we don't we don't know the true story. Yeah. And obviously the one fighter's lying and they're they're going to try to make things, you know, on their side so they can get the media on their side. Other than that, I mean, you know, you you, you bring up the NFL players and how that, you know, for example, if they say they're going to light you up and try to kill you and and, and sometimes you want to strike fear into your opponents. And for example, if uh, Von Miller had said that to Andrew Luck, for example, and said, hey, I'm going to rush you and I'm going to kill you. I mean, Andrew Luck literally does. I, I, I'm assuming he wouldn't really meet, like really feel like, oh, OK, he's going to kill. Him. No, I think he just means he, he knows what's going to happen. He's going to strike fear into his heart. I think that's what Deontay Wilder was trying to do as well. Strike fear into the dude's heart. And also promote promote the fight. I think he's doing a good job of that. And some and you talked about humbling your opponent. Not everyone's built the same, and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, someone like you, you'd want to humble your opponent. You want to stay low key and whatnot. Deontay Wilder's known for talking. You know, that's the type of dude. He's he's a, he's a flashy type of dude. He wants to show showboat and whatnot. That's the type of dude he is, and uh, he he wants to do his talking, and he rightfully so. He lets his fighting do do it for himself sometimes sometimes as well. Other than that, I think. He's promoting the fight really well, and um, in terms of the comments, I get the killing part, but I think that you really got to understand what he was really trying to get at, and that you know that's that's kind of how see, I feel about it. See, I would hope he wasn't serious, but I mean, he said it full out on interviews. Like, I mean it. Like when I say I want to body him, like I I want to catch that body. You know, I want to. I mean, you got to watch the interviews. The guy, I don't know what it is. I mean, I would hope that he's not serious, but from what I've you know, from what I'm seeing, I mean, in the sport of boxing where, you know, a guy can, you know, absolutely die, you know, within the split of a second. I mean, there's just a fine line of things you say and don't say. And I think within any sport, you don't tell an athlete, I'm going to kill you. Because, I mean, we look at all types of sports. You know, we even look at a guy like Khabib, for instance, in the UFC. I mean, McGregor disrespected his religion, you know, his father, you know, he just went on and on. But not one time did he ever say, I'm going to kill you. He said, I'm going to humble you. You know, after this fight, I'm going to, you know, make you eat your words. I mean, that's what he did. McGregor hasn't been running his mouth since. And that's the way you handle things with actions rather than words. You saying you're going to kill someone, I mean, keep it to yourself. I mean, because then if you don't kill him, then, you know, what's the point of all that? And then if you do kill him. I mean, the whole world is going to bash you for yeah. it. So for Deontay Wilder, you're just, he's just throwing himself in a position where it's just it's, it's bad all around, but, win or lose. No, no, I, I get what you're saying, but look at it like this, though. 
the Khabib and Connor fight, right? Yeah. Why was it so big? Is because Connor was talking all that mess. He yeah. was he was the one promoting the fight, and he made a business decision to promote the fight. That's kind of what Deontay Wilder's doing. I think as a referee, as a ju- what the judges got to see during the boxing fight is make sure that he does not have any cheap punches to the back of the head, nothing like that that could actually potentially kill yeah. a dude. Now, if let's just say he throws a right hook and knocks a dude out. And the name of the game and the name of the score, yeah. whatever happens, happens. And that's really what it comes down to. If And and how would you feel about this? What if Deontay Wilder throws, you know, that that infamous hook that he that, that he always knocks people out with? And Dominique Brazil, let's just say, you know, hope God forbid that. What if he passes away due to that hook? Now, would it look bad on Deontay Wilder's side? The way if he said things, yes. But, it, but in the name of the game, if he does it like that, he throws the hook and the dude, you know. But you gotta you gotta take into account just media, and it's all about the era we live in. You you say that in the '90s, the '80s, I mean, it it happens, you know. That 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 was you know a doggy dog environment, but got guys in that era, you know, never you know really got out of line like that. It was kind of like you know I'm gonna knock you out, this and that, you know, like Mike Tyson. You know, would say, but Mike Tyson himself would never really say, you know, I'm gonna kill this man. It was just, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him out in the ring. I'm gonna, you know, knock him out. You know, saying things like that is okay. Keep it, you know, within the fair game because the guy Brazil has a family, kids, you know, things like that. You know, and as they're watching the fight, they're gonna, you know, be a little scared. We all know Wilder's winning that fight. I mean, Wilder's knocking him out, in my opinion. You know early i'd say fifth sixth round maybe earlier i it's definitely not going to the later rounds because wilder is just going to go you know full on blast that fight that's the thing yeah try to really sleep him but you know if you if you want to kill him your intentions things like that you know you go ahead you know (laughs) you do you but to you know for wilder's own sake there's no point of going out to the media because I mean, the story is just going to get worse. You know how they tangle things up and kind of jumble mm-hmm. information around. It's just making you look bad. And then if Brazil ends up passing away in that fight, all these boxers in the heavyweight position are coming for his head. Yeah, but what if, But what if it's in the name of the game, though? Like he didn't- In the name of the game, I mean, I understand, like, if he went in there and was like, you know, I'm going to knock you out or, you know, went publicly said, I'm going to kill this man, but, you know, kind of clarified what he but, meant. But, yeah. But... I mean, he said he's he's he said it is what he said. You know, he's like, I say what I mean. So, I mean, if he did say, you know, it's more like, you know, unintentional. I'm just going to go out there and knock him out. Then people would be, you know, more understandable. Oh, okay, But I mean, it's just it's not it's not a good sign for Wilder. I I like him as a, you know, a boxer. I mean, he's, you know, had a lot of success in the ring. You know, I enjoy watching him. I think he lost that Fury fight, but I think he showed a lot of heart, two knockdowns. But I just feel like you gotta have more class as a boxer. That that's just my overall feel. I, I think the name of the, I think the name of the game is that this is a social media era, and yeah. whatever you say can kind of be bloviated. You know, it, it can get taken into the wrong context, and then it can really get exploded onto everywhere. I mean, what Deontay Wilder said. I, I, I feel like I, I kind of understand what he really means. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't expect him after the game, after the fight or whatnot to pull up with the AK-47 and actually try to kill Yeah, him. no, it's, it's going to be with hands. Yeah, and that and the thing is, the thing about the social media era is that if you say the wrong thing, and then also if you're an African-American dude, African-American athlete, you say the wrong things, things can really blow up in the wrong way. And, you know, for, for Deontay Walter 
you know, what he said was wrong. Don't get me wrong. But what Conor McGregor said was completely out of line. Yeah. You know, making racist remarks, making fun of someone's religion and talking about someone's talking about someone's dad. It's just unfair to see how some athletes are more privileged in the aspect. Like Conor McGregor, what he said was 10 times more out of line because he actually meant that thing. Like Deontay Wilder, we really don't expect him to kill the dude. We expect him to knock him out. I mean, that's 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 really it. Conor McGregor, what he said, you know, making fun of, of a religion that holds almost two billion people. On this planet, I mean that's ridiculous. But I mean that's you know that's also how I feel, and um, I mean. It's and one more thing, sorry yeah. to interrupt no, you. Good. I feel like you know Wilder, if you know hypothetically speaking, he did live out what he said. I think he would have regret. You know he would feel bad about it. I think it's just more he doesn't know how to control his anger. I think he has a little bit of a temper problem, but I think overall at the end of everything, what I personally feel is he would feel regret. But heading into the fight. He means what he says, but, you know, anyone can talk, but not everyone can do that. I mean, it's not easy to kill someone in a ring with, you know, 14, 16-ounce gloves. And it's, it's also it's also not easy to be the co-host of Sports Decaf. Well, you know, I can definitely agree with that. It's not you know, easy. Hey, without coffee? Without coffee. Man, I, I tell you, you know, I feel like maybe it was a tolerance thing, but over the years it started to feel like coffee, you know, was a myth. I was thinking, you know, caffeine, okay, maybe gives you a little kick. But I tell you something, when you wake up 8 a.m. and you shoot a podcast and, you you know, you give the viewers the quality that they deserve, you start to feel it. You start, you start, start to, feel, to feel it. And then you get a breath of fresh air. You walk around. You enjoy life. I mean, sports decaf here, we're all for nature. We're all for love and life. And moral of the story is that it's, it's, it's hard running a podcast. See, you know what? I'm going to give you all some inspiration for today. Okay, because Beyonce inspired me yesterday after reading this article that she did a performance for Uber and they offered to pay her six million dollars. So guess guess what she said she wanted rather than the six million dollars. She said, give me six million dollars in equity. And so what the Uber CEO did was gave her six million dollars in Uber stocks. So now that six million dollars in Uber stocks is worth three hundred million dollars. So the moral, the inspiration for today is whatever you're pursuing, tell them pay you in equity. All right. Nowadays, pay me in equity. I don't want your cash. I don't want your money. I want your stocks. I want equity. All right. Whatever it is, live by it. Sports decaf, we're out. We're out, Jeff.